Well, good morning again. Um, we are diving back into our study as we have been looking at the life of Elijah the prophet. Um, we started about two weeks ago, and um, we've just been diving, diving through. Um, so if you have your Bible with you this morning and, and you'd like to, to read from that, and I would encourage you to, um, we're going to be in uh, 1 Kings, which is in the Old Testament, 1 Kings uh, chapter 17 today. We're looking at uh, verses, pretty much verses 8 through 16 today. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible and you need one, we do have some over here. Feel free to grab one if you need it for today or just want to take it home with you. Um, that's what those are there for. Uh, they don't do a whole lot of good just sitting there every week if, if they never get used. So if you need one, feel free to grab one. Um, if not, um, it'll also be up on the screen, I think, most of the, the passages today. But I just want to quickly review kind of where we've been and, and what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Um, and just to get us to this point, to this moment. So uh, we've been talking about First uh, Kings and how... Uh, our best understanding, uh, best thing the commentators tell us, it was most likely written by a prophet named Jeremiah. And so understanding who wrote this book um, really helps us to understand its purpose. Because it was written by a prophet, um, there's some intentionality in which he was writing this book. It wasn't just a history, um, even though he certainly covers a lot of history. Um, overall, though, Jeremiah is trying to get a message across um, he wants his readers to understand that um, here's what happens when you leave the heart of God. And we see this through the picture of the kings of Israel. Um, the kings of Israel, um, as, as they start out, um, they get worse and worse and worse. And they're leading the people of God further and further and further and further away from the heart of God. And that's the big point that, that, that the author is trying to get across to us is that um, it's just this downward cycle, the further and further you go away from God. Um, and throughout this period of time, as, as these kings are leading the nation of Israel away, God sends prophets, messengers, to call the people back to following him, to call the people back to faithfulness, uh, to following the one true God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Um, and that is what, that is what um, the prophet's role is, was to call the people back. They had a message from God. Um, at this period in history, the kingdom is divided. So you, again, just you have the northern kingdom, um, which primarily, uh, they, they, they really don't do a good job at all. All the kings pretty much from the northern kingdom, uh, it's just worse and worse and worse. Uh, in the southern kingdom, you get a few good kings in there. Um, kind of sprinkled throughout. Um, and, but Elijah, the prophet that we're going to spend our time focusing on, he is a prophet to the northern kingdom. And specifically, in the time period in which Elijah is on the scene, uh, there's a guy named Ahab who is the king. And what we find out um, from 1 Kings is that Ahab did more evil in the sight of God than any of the fathers, any of the kings before him. And so this guy is kind of the worst of the worst. Um, up until this point. Um, the other thing that's important for us to know, and we'll touch on this a little bit today, is, is Ahab is married uh, to a woman named Jezebel, um, who is uh, equal, if not worse, than Ahab is. Um, and Jezebel is really the one that brings this influence of, of chasing after this, this other god, this foreign god, this, this, this false god, uh, who they called um, Baal or Baal, depending on uh, how Americanized we want to we use that. 
uh, or how comfortable we're saying that. I, I laugh at that because in our life group, we, we were joking about that this week, that uh, growing up, it's, you know, we always say Baal, um, but the Hebrew is probably more pronounced Baal. Uh, it just sounds so uncomfortable when you try to say that. Um, because of your tradition, and so, um, and so that's that's really that is really what Elijah is coming to confront is is the king, right? And so last week we read in the first few verses of chapter seventeen how Elijah comes and he confronts the king, he calls him out, and he says, "Because you've led Israel astray, right? God's going to do something. There's going to be a drought in the land, and it's not going to stop until I say so." And then we talked about last week about how God then. Uh, acts kind of unexpectedly in Elijah's life. Instead of maybe how we would expect Elijah to stand and stand his ground before the king, God tells Elijah to run and to hide. And so he's hiding out in the wilderness. And he's surviving. God's provisions for Elijah, he's surviving by drinking from this brook and then eating food that the ravens are dropping off for him. And that sustains Elijah. We talked about the training that God was doing in Elijah's life during this period of time. And last week we ended our discussion, our time together, by talking about verse 7, where it says, And after a while, that brook that was providing water and life for Elijah, it dried up because there was no rain in the land. We talked about how, how the drought that Elijah had, had promised the king was now even affecting him. And so now there, there's no more water. And so now we move to the next step in the journey of Elijah's life. And kind of like we did last week, this week I would like us just to read the text and discuss it as we go. Instead of reading the whole passage, I want us to kind of just walk through it together and then discuss it as we go. And um, so, so today, kind of our main idea that we're going to see in this passage, our main thought we're going to talk about today is the idea of faith. We're going to see some incredible faith exercise today. Um, we're going to see some incredible faith, not just from Elijah, but we're also going to get introduced to this widow. Uh, we don't know much about her, um, but we get introduced to this widow, and we're, we're going to see faith, and we're going to do a little of comparing and contrasting of both Elijah's faith and this widow's faith. Um, and so one of the statements that I want us to really hold on to today as we look at this passage is this, faith leads to obedience. And that's what we're going to see both in Elijah's life and in this widow's life, is that, that, that this faith is going to ultimately lead to a place of obedience. That's, the, that's one of the big pictures we're going to see today in Elijah's life. And so let's, let's look at the first couple of verses. Let's look at verse 8 and 9 together first as we start out. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Then the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah, right? In the middle of that brook, as he's seeing the brook dry up. Verse 9, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. All right, so let's pause right there. Um, so God's saying, you know what? I want you to get up. The, the brook is drying up. And I want you to go to Zarephath, right? We see that, that this, this move that Elijah takes, it's going to take faith, right? And a very simple definition of faith, just to help us out today, is this. Faith is believing even when you cannot see, Right? Faith, faith is, is believing in something even when you can't see how it's going to work out. It's a very, very simple definition, but I think it's going to help us in, in our understanding and our discussion today. So Elijah, Elijah here, he, he, he hears from God, and God says, I want you to go, and I want you to leave, and I want you to go to this, this other city. 
and there's going to be a widow there that's going to take care of you. I think also important to note here is that the source of Elijah's faith, right? Elijah wasn't, uh, didn't leave this area just because he kind of got a, a feeling or an emotion, right? But notice in verse 8, it says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, right? And I think that's important to realize is that when we take steps of faith in our life, um, we need to have the word of God as our guide, right? That needs to be the source of our faith. If God says it in his word, then we can believe it in our life. Um, and that should be the source behind our, our faith in the areas that he calls us to, right? So if we go into something in life and, and we feel like, man, maybe I should go do this or whatever, and we read God's word and it's, it's very, very counter to God's word, then we need to step back and say, that's probably not from the Lord. That's probably not a step from the Lord because, because the Lord is not going to call us to do something that's going to be outside or in contradiction to his word. And so he has faith because of the word and uh, I hear people say all the time, man, if I just had God speak to me like he did to Elijah, if I could just hear God speak to me in the way that he did to Elijah, man, I would go and do whatever he called me to do. And I just want to look at those people and say, he did. That's what the word of God is, is it's God literally speaking to us so that we can read and understand and know the heart of God and live that out. So the, heart of, uh, the word of God was Elijah's source. We also are going to notice that Elijah had faith even when he couldn't see what God was doing. Right? Even when he couldn't see what God was doing. If we look at verse 9, the first thing we see is he says, Arise and go. Now what we need to understand is that from where Elijah was at the brook, Cherith, to Zarephath was 100 miles. Okay, There's 100 miles in between the two of those. So when, when Elijah was standing in the brook and seeing the brook dry up and heard God call him to go, he had no idea what was there. He couldn't see the widow that God had said that he was, was going to provide for him. He just had to have faith that because God told him to do it, that he, could, that he would go. And so he takes this 100-mile journey trusting that God is going to provide for him when he gets there. Once he gets there, he realizes that in Zarephath, right, this city that he's being called to, this is not home for him. This is not comfortable. This is a Gentile city, right? Zarephath, um, this is the hometown of Jezebel, right? His, his kind of one of his sworn enemies throughout this narrative. And so this, this place is, is the home of Jezebel. It's the home, it's the heartbeat of this worship of Baal, of Baal, right? And so he's literally going into the belly of the beast here as he's being called out from the wilderness um, out of obscurity to go to this Gentile city. One con commentator said it this way. He said, God led Elijah from the dry brook to a Gentile city. And this was an unusual and challenging move for Elijah to make. Right? He's going face to face in the place that this worship of this foreign God started. And he's, he's trusting. Right? He has faith. He's believing that God is going to provide for him. And then the final leg of that, that faith, I think, which, which we see in, in, in this story, uh, in this passage, is that he's also going to rely on this widow to meet his needs, right? And while that may not sound so surprising, in this culture, in this moment, that was a very shocking thing for God to say, I'm going to provide for your needs by means of a widow. Um, in this culture, in this time, right, typically... Um, the widows were the poorest of the poor. They were the ones that, that needed to be supported and taken care of themselves. 
uh, in this culture. Um, again, this was a, a very uh, male-centric culture, and so if, if a woman didn't have a husband or maybe a, a grown son to provide for her, she had to count on other people. There wasn't a whole lot of industry in, in places that she could go and provide for herself. And so, and so the fact that God would call Elijah to go for this widow to provide for him had to take an incredible amount of faith, right? I mean, think about it. From Elijah's perspective, he's like, okay, God, so you want me to leave this brook where I've had food, literally air delivered to me every day, right? Drink this, this clean water. Now you want me to travel 100 miles to this Gentile city, which, by the way, my worst enemy, that's where she's from. So you can only imagine what this, the landscape was in this area, right? And now you want me, my needs are going to get provided by a widow? Someone who uh, probably has less than I do? God, what in the world are you doing? And this is where we see that, that Elijah's faith was really going to take root. Really got to that moment where Elijah was going to have to step up and say, do I really trust what God has said to me? Am I going to be willing then to, to follow in that and put my, put my feet to the ground and start to make that journey? Last week I had the opportunity to share with you guys a little bit of our story of how we saw God move in some unexpected ways in our life. And I'd like to today just share a little bit more about another area of our life that we feel like God has, has really taught us how to grow in our faith. And, and I just want to say as a, as a caveat, I typically don't like to tell a lot of stories about me because I don't like to be the guy that's like the, you know, the guy at the end of the story or whatever. Uh, however, I do think it's, it's helpful at least to understand like how we need to trust God and the faith that we can see uh, in, in our lives. Um, and so a lot of you guys, most of you guys know that one of the things that's very near and dear to our heart, uh, Nicole and I, is, is fostering an adoption. Um, and, and I remember that when we first felt God's kind of tug uh, and pull on our hearts to do that, um, that, that God, was, God was moving and it, all we got was, hey, we want you to meet some needs in this community. Um, there are some kids in this community that need a home, that need a place to live. And I'm calling you to do that. Um, and in that moment, we didn't know how he was going to do it. We didn't know what that was going to look like. We didn't know. We certainly didn't know all that was involved in that, which is probably a good thing. Um, had we know then what we know now, um, it would have probably taken even more faith, right? Because it, it was a hard, it's a hard journey. But I remember those early days when we were first kind of considering that and we were trying to figure it out. Nicole and I were talking and we were like, if God is calling us to do this, even though I don't know how this is going to work out, like, we got to put our yes on the table. And we got to trust that God's going to provide. You know, where he's going to call us to do this, that he's going to provide a way to make that happen. And I don't know about you, but I think all of us, we've probably had some moment like that in our life, right? Like, where God has called us to do something, and we couldn't see how it was going to play out, how it was going to work out. That's where faith stepped in, right? That's where we have to let faith step in. So what I want us to do is I want us to take a couple of minutes and I want us to, to ask that question, to, to talk about that with a few people around you. Have you ever had to step out in faith in your life? And, and how did you feel in that moment? Like when you had to step out and trust that God was going to come through for you in that moment, how did you feel? Um, what, what, did that, what did that create in you? So, so let's take a couple minutes, um, get in a couple groups around you, and, and let's talk about that. And we'll come back together and we're going to look at the obedience then that came from this faith um, that Elijah had. All right, we're going to join back together. I know um, I know that wasn't nearly enough time. I say that every week. Um, 
And then I'll also shamelessly plug for life groups after that. So I'll do that again. Um, that's This is exactly what our, our life groups are. Is it's an extended time that we can talk about those things in our life. And so um, love for you to check that out. Um, but yeah, I think we've all probably experienced those moments, those times where, where, man, God has called us to do something and we didn't understand how or why. But we, we kind of understood that the places that God will guide, he's also going to provide for us, right? He's going to provide in a way. If, it, if it's truly God calling us to do those things, even though they may be scary and, and we can't understand it, we can't see it from where we're at, that God's going to provide. We need to realize is that in, in the story of Elijah here, not only did he just hear what God said and had faith that God would do it, but then Elijah let that faith move him into the place of obedience. He did what he believed that God was calling him to do. All right, look at, look at verse 10 and 11. So he arose, right, he left the brook, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow came to the gate of the city. I'm sorry. Behold, a widow came to the, to the gate. I'm sorry. Try that one more time. Uh, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Okay? So, so we see right here that Elijah, he acted upon his faith, right? And that's really what obedience is, is it's acting upon the faith, acting upon what God's called you to do. It's acting upon that belief. It's not just sitting there and saying, you know what? Yeah, God's calling me to do that. And somehow it's going to work out in the end. But to realize that when God calls us to do something, he also expects us to take that step and do it, right? Our faith should lead us to obedience. It should lead us to actually doing what it is that God has called us to do. God uh, had previously provided for Elijah's needs he was going to continue to do that, but Elijah needed to leave the brook, right? In order for the widow to provide for his needs, Elijah needed to leave the brook. He needed to, to leave that, that place that he had been provided for in the past so that he could see how God was going to provide for him again. I love how one, one guy said, if, if, if the brooks and the ravens could provide for him in the wilderness, now a widow could provide for him in this foreign city, Right? And so he goes and he asks the widow, he says, he, he asks him for some, ask her for some water, right? And then we're going to see in, in verse 11 um, that, that as she was bringing the water, he even goes another step further and he says, hey, while you're getting my water, w- w- could you also bring me a morsel of bread that I can eat, right? So, so this is a very unusual circumstance. This is a very unusual thing for Elijah to do this. It was unusual too because because Elijah was a was a Jew. He was a he was a he was a follower of Yahweh. And so he was a stranger to this lady. He was a stranger to the land. And so for him just to come up to this to this widow and say, give me something, it was a very unusual circumstance. Yet we see that Elijah was was faithful. And this is all part of God's process of continuing to train Elijah to trust him and to do what he's called him to do. Right? It is interesting that the word Zarephath there, the name of that city, um, it, it means refining. It's literally a place of a, of a smelting furnace. That was, that was really what the, the name Zarephath meant. And so Elijah was going back into this furnace moment that God was going to refine him and use him. It reminds me a lot of the words in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, where Peter talks about 
about us as believers and, and what, that, what that furnace refining looks like in our life. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, right? So that the genuineness of your faith be more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, right? We're going to go through things in life. There's going to be hard things that we go through that is going to refine us and refine our lives. We may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? God's going to put us in those situations, those refining moments. And for Elijah, this, this refining moment was having the faith to go to this, to this Gentile city. Where, in all honesty, like, like they could have killed him. It could have went south really quick for Elijah, right? Um, things could have gone really poorly. I mean, Elijah was the guy that had, had caused the drought. Um, I'm sure he wasn't a stranger. I'm sure word had probably spread about Elijah at this point. And yet Elijah still trusted and then had the obedience to follow what God called him to do. And I think, I think for all of us in our life, we get to a place where, where when God calls us to something, we also have to put feet to that, to that faith, right? I remember in, in our step, in our, in our step of journey uh, through fostering, I remember there was that moment. Um, there's been several moments where, where things have come up against this idea of, of fostering and adoption. And I said, man, are you sure that's what you want to do? Like, this, this isn't an easy calling. This isn't easy. It's, it's uncomfortable, right? Even, even in part of our church planning journey, I've had, I've had people, um, people within the church planning world that have said, like, are you sure that's not going to take away from, from your church planning? Is that going to take away from that? And, and God really got me to the place in, in our journey of that, of just realizing that I'm not a church planter that also fosters, and I'm not a foster parent that also church plant. Like, like I'm the same person. Like, there are equal calling in my life. God's called me equally to both. And I'm, I'm going to be able to be the church planner that I am because of this call in my life. Um, because God has called me, called us to, to live this way, like, that's who I am. And in both realms, it's going to be who I am. And it's that, that step of obedience and faith. And it's not been easy, but we've definitely been able to see what God has been doing through that. But I want us not only to look at Elijah, because I think Elijah becomes the, the go-to example of, of faith and obedience throughout this whole section of, of Scripture. But I also want us to look at this, at this widow. I want to look at her story. And see that her too, for her too, there was this idea of faith and obedience. Uh, read with me in verse, starting in verse 12. Picks up on her story a little bit. So, so Elijah's come to her and ask her for some water and then also, also ask her for some bread. Here's what she says. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Man. Pretty, pretty dire circumstances right there, right? It's, it's interesting. It's interesting here that, that the widow um, seemed, though, to have faith. What we're going to see here in a minute is she actually goes and does this, even though she doesn't have uh, the food to prepare prepare for them, she actually goes and, and prepares the food for Elijah. Um, 
And it's very interesting to think about how this widow, even though she didn't have faith um, in this God, even though this was a God that she had never seen and she'd never worshipped before, um, that phrase in there where she says, um, as the Lord your God lives, doesn't mean that she was worshipping this God or she acknowledged this God uh, to be true. It was just that she had seen that there was some faith in Elijah. There's something in Elijah that spoke about this God. She knew, whether that was from the, the community or the town, but she knew that there was a God that this, this man, Elijah, worshipped. Um, and she said, she, she's calling that out here. Um, one, guy, one commentator said that her polite address to Elijah to show respect to his God doesn't mean that she herself was worshipping this God, Right? And so, and so she's never seen this God. She's never worshipped this God. She's only seen him probably in the life of Elijah or heard a story about him in the life of Elijah. But yet, there's an element of faith where we see that she actually goes and does it. She actually prepares the food, prepares what is there. But we also see that, that she also had a lot of circumstances to overcome in order for her to follow um, what Elijah has called her to do. I mean, look, look with me there in uh, starting in, in verse 12, right? Look, what does she say? She says, I have nothing baked. It's not like I have like a whole storage room full of bread that I can give you, right? And I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of oil. And I'm, I'm going around and I'm gathering sticks that I may prepare for myself something for me and my son. She's like, we're about to starve to death. And I want us to at least have one good last meal together. That's all I got left. And so I'm going to go make one little little loaf of bread for us to eat. And that's going to be the end, right? And she could have very easily allowed all of these circumstances to keep her from doing what God had called her to do, right? And, and I think in our lives, it's really easy for us when, when we feel like God has called us to step out in faith. At least for me, the first thing that goes through my mind is all the excuses of why I can't do it. What an inconvenience. I don't have the resources. I don't have the availability. I don't have the gifting. I don't have the time to do it. And I think for a lot of us, that's where we miss out on being a part of something incredible that God's calling us to do is because we allow those, those circumstances or those excuses. I'm too young. I'm too old. I have this going on, right? I can't serve you right now, Lord, because I, I got to take care of this and this and this, and then I'll serve you. I can't start leading my family well right now because I have this and this and this going on. I can't do these things that you've called me to do. I can't talk to my neighbor about Jesus because I don't know. What if they ask a question that I don't even understand? And we just come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. And what happens is we continue to just let those excuses stifle the faith that God has called us to have. Then we never get to that point of obedience. It's interesting here, even, even as this widow, we see in the, in the picture here of, of how desperately poor she was. I mean, of, of, of anybody, she probably had enough validation to come up with these excuses, right? I mean, what, uh, Charles Spurgeon said that the fact that she was gathering sticks and didn't even have firewood shows the, how extremely poor she was. Because even though that this community may have been going through a drought of water, there was certainly not a drought of firewood, Right? But because she had, was going around just having to gather up sticks in order to have enough to make a fire, shows, I mean, she literally had nothing. But yet God didn't allow that excuse to keep her from being called to step out in faith. And that's what we see in, in the next couple of verses is that this widow then 
is really tested. She goes through this, this period of testing, this trial, to see if she's really going to follow what God has called her to do. Read verses 13 and 14 with me. And Elijah said to her, right, Do not fear, but go and do as I have said. First, make me a little cake of it, and bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Right? Man, I mean, think about this. I love that the first thing that Elijah says, though, because I think this is where we all come to, is, is do not fear. Right? I think for all of us, when, when we get in that moment of, of stepping out in faith and trusting God, first place our hearts go a lot of times is fear, whether it's over the circumstances or, or inadequacies or whatever it may be, right? And, and I love how he just comes in and says, first of all, don't fear, right? Um, and hopefully that was encouraging for her. Um, I'm sure probably from her perspective, she's probably looking around and she's like, we're about to die. And you're telling me not to fear, right? Um, but I think we have to realize that in, in the midst of those crisis moments or those moments that God calls us to follow him, we have to make sure that we're not being led by fear, right? Because as the, as, the, as the song, uh, one of the recent songs that came out uh, says in, in the tagline, it says, fear is a liar, right? Fear is going to make you believe things that, that aren't true. And so when we look at our lives and the calling that God has for us through the perspective of fear, we're not going to see really what God is wanting us to do. And so Elijah says, fear not, right? Put that fear away, replace that with trust, right? And to show how much you trust me here, here's what the test was, was first go and make me a cake and then trust that God's going to provide for you, right? And I don't know about you, as I read that, it almost sounds like there's some audacity for Elijah. Like this poor widow is like, I have enough for me and my son to have one last good meal before, before we just write it off and it's the end. And Elijah comes strolling in and he's like, hey, will you first go make me one, right? Forget about your, your son who's starving to death, but go make me one. And this was the true test for the widow. This is the true test of her faith. Was she, was she going to trust in this God that she had never seen? In the word that this, that this prophet, this man had said to her? Or was she just going to think about her own, her, her kids and herself, her, her son and herself? So this is kind of where we get to, right? So one, one person said it was, it was more than a test of faith. It was a test of trust, Right? Something more. The prophet demanded for her to provide for his needs, to make a sacrifice, something trivial as a cake. He says, but this, but when people are starving, it was not trifle at all. She had to trust, she had to trust in a promise. And she couldn't calculate that out from a human perspective. But she had to, to ask herself, was she going to trust God? Right? Was she going to trust the words of God? I think, it's, I think it's interesting to, to think about here, even in verse 14, when Elijah is, is, is giving her what's going to happen if, if, she, if she has faith, he starts out by saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. In this pagan city, to this, to this Gentile widow, he said, Trust in the one true God. I think we need to realize that too, is that God will provide for us when we, when we trust him, right? The story, this, this moment, this picture, this promise that, that Elijah makes for this widow reminds me a lot of, of, of a promise that, that Jesus makes 
to another woman. You guys familiar with the story in John 4 of the woman at the well? Right? There's this Samaritan woman that comes to Jesus and he asks her for some water, right? And, and, and they have this whole dialogue about the water coming from the certain well. In verse 13, though, Jesus looks at her and he says to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I will give to him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I even love like the little gospel glimmer that's in this moment, right? Even as God is, is, is promising this widow that there's going to be a, uh, an, uh, uh, the, the, the flour and the oil are going to continue to replenish, right? So for us, we have to realize that Jesus has made that promise. Like if we put our faith and trust in him, he is the source of life, right? It's going to be an everlasting supply. I think we all get to that point in our life, right, where, where we're confronted with that reality of, am I going to trust, not just for food for today, but I'm going to trust my eternity to God. Am I going to put my heart and my trust in, in this, this God, in Jesus Christ, who has promised eternal life only in him? And so this was the test for, for the widow. And, and as she came to this crisis of faith, she came to this moment where she had to answer the question, do I trust it or not? You see, a decision had to be made. She only had a little bit of time left. And in this moment, she had to decide, am I going to go and trust this God that I've never seen? Am I going to put my faith in that? Or am I just going to trust what I can see and am I going to go in that way? It can be a frightening moment, right, when we get to those tests of our faith. We get those moments of like, am I really going to trust God? Right? It's one thing to have faith that God's going to do something, but there's another thing in that moment, in that crisis moment of like, am I really going to do what he's called me to do? Right? And that's what I would like us to take just a few more minutes and, and talk a little bit more in our groups. Um, kind of the next leg of the discussion is, have you ever had to be in a, in a place where your faith has been tested? Right? Not only do I trust that God's going to do it, but now I'm actually going to have to walk through that. And if, if you have been in that moment, what, what was the feelings? How did you, what was that experience like as you actually had to put your faith into action? So let's take a couple more minutes, talk about that together, and then we'll finish up by looking at the obedience uh, and then the result of that. Okay? So as we, as we come back, we're, so we kind of get to this moment and the, and the widow is, is had her, faith. She's, she's been asked to do something that's required faith. That faith has now been put to the test. Like, do you really, when something's on the line, are you really going to follow what God's called you to do? Um, was, was for her, were you really going to do that? Take the bread and, and, and make, or make the bread, make the cake for Elijah. But then we see that she, she does it though, right? That's the thing. Look, look at verse 15. And she went and did as Elijah said, Right? She did it, even though even though she couldn't see the result, how it was going to work out, even though it was literally life and death kind of thing for her, she did it. Even though she'd never worshipped or seen this God before, she went and she did it. And I think true faith is always marked by obedience. Right? And that's what we see here. It's the obedience that she had, the faith that it took. Something was on the line. It reminds me of a, of a parable of a story that Jesus shares in Mark chapter 12. Um, and, and he shares a story about another widow 
Um, and as he's sitting and he's watching people give money, he's watching people put money into this offering box. And he says, many rich people come and they give, they give a lot of money, but there was a, a poor widow who came and put in two small copper coins, uh, which makes a penny. And he, and he called his disciples and he said, hey, I want you to see this. Look at this. He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more in than those who contributed a great amount to the offering box. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. And that's, I think that's the picture of what we see here, was this widow, she literally was trusting what Elijah had to say and walking in obedience with everything that she had. Right? And the result of this, right, is that then that, that obedience led to a testimony. It led to a, to a story that she was able to share, right? And, and a testimony is just a, it's a story, as we use it, it's a story about God. It's a God story in our lives. First, we see that there was a testimony uh, to her household. Look at the last part of verse 15. And after she did that, it said, and she and her household ate for many days. This wasn't just a testimony to her, but all of those in her household, to that son, to any of those in the community that would come by and know, God had provided. One guy said it this way. He said, God fulfilled the promise to the widow, to her son, and to Elijah. God used her as a channel of supply, and her needs were met. I mean, think about, think about the story. Think about the testimony of, and again, we, we don't know, and, and there's a, we get another incredible picture, this, this son of the widow. He's got quite a testimony that he can share with the world, right? But I mean, just think about that, growing up and hearing that story and just seeing that daily provision. What a testimony that was to her household, but also to her community, right? Verse 16 says that the, 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 the jar of flour was not spent, neither was the jug of oil, neither did it become empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. So every day is that, is that widow is, is preparing that bread and making that, that food, it continues to refill and refill and refill and refill, right? And think about the testimony that must have been to her community in that, in that Gentile world that she lived in, right? That this widow who, who they saw one day gathering sticks, probably knowing that that was going to be her last meal, that that was going to be the end. And yet this man who claimed to be from God has now showed up, and she's continuing to have her needs met day by day by day. So it was a testimony. When, when we put our faith into obedience, that leads to a testimony to our house, our community, but also to the world around us. And this is what I loved as I was studying for this. I realized that Jesus talks about this lady, talks about this widow. In Luke chapter 4, he's talking about, um, he's talking, kind of comparing to himself, and he's talking about the, the story of Elijah, one of his many references to Elijah. Um, and he says, truly, I say to you, no, no prophet is, is acceptable in his hometown. But I tell you the truth, or he said, in the truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut for three years and six months and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, right? But to this one in Zarephath, only in Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. 
just think about how incredible, right? This this woman who we don't even know anything about, but now her story of faithfulness is now literally been shared for generations of generations of generations. And that's not to say if if, if we follow God that He's going to make us famous or that He's going to, you know, that we're going to be like a trending, you know, topic on on Facebook or Twitter or one of those things, right? Uh, I was going to say the newspaper, but like hardly anybody reads the newspaper anymore. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to get popularity of those around us, right? But we're going to have a testimony to share with our household, with our community, and with our world. And that's, that's really, I think, the challenge for today as, as we look at the story of Elijah and then we try, and we try to apply that to our lives, what God wants us to, to how he wants us to live this out, is that God's going to call us to faith. He's going to call us to faith. He's going to call us different points in our life to do different things. Now you guys got to talk about that a little bit. And that faith then should, should, should drive us to obedience, to doing what it is that God's called us to do. And there's probably going to be some testing in there. We're going to go through some hard things in that process, and our, our faith is going to be tested, and we're going to have to actually stand and do what we say that God has called us to do. But in the end, that obedience is going to lend to a testimony, a story, not about us, but about God. Right? That should be our testimony. Our testimony shouldn't elevate us, but it should elevate the glory of the God that we serve. Right? This testimony the widow had wasn't about something that she did and her faithfulness, but it was about this God that she had never even seen and never even met. It's about his faithfulness and the goodness of him. So we're going to close our time together. Um, we're going to sing a hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's really, that's, that's what the song is all about. Not about our faithfulness, but about the faithfulness of God. And the ebbs and flows and everything in life, how faithful our God is. I just want to challenge you today, like as, as we go home and we, we, we sit with this, and I would encourage you to continue to, to study and to read over the story in, in the life of Elijah. But as we do that, that we would live as people with great faith, trust, and obedience in, in this one true God that we worship. Um, I'll be hanging out up, up toward the front today. If, if there's anybody that, that would like prayer, like to pray together, I'd be more than glad to do that. Um, but if not, I would just invite you to, to join in together and sing and raise your voices as we just sing about the great faithfulness of God. So if you would, let's join together in prayer, and then Tom uh, is going to come up and lead us in this last song. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. God, we thank you for a testimony and a story like Elijah, like this widow, who not only heard what you called them to do, but, but lived that out and now have a story to tell about your faithfulness and how you come through on the things that you promise. So God, in this moment, as we sing this song, as we raise our voices to just sing about your faithfulness, God, I pray that that would not just be words that we sing about, but that would be true in our lives, that we put our faith in you in that way, that we can sing, great is the faithfulness of our God. There's none like him. There's none like you. So we thank you for that today, God. And then be with us as we leave today, as we go out into the world, God, and we, we enter back into reality and we enter back into the place that we can put our faith in you into steps of obedience. So go with us today, God. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.